0: Hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. This week's episode features Carls, the ADH adult, It's a really great conversation. I'm excited to share it, especially because this year I actually became diagnosed with ADHD. So it's been really fun exploring that. So let's just hop on into it. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, I cannot believe it is November. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And the awesome voice you're hearing on the other end is Carly Richards. Carly, would you like to give your elevator pitch who you are, what you do, et cetera?
1: Oh, geez. I hate elevator pitches. They're so stressful. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So like everything, a little bit of everything. Um, I have three degrees in the mental health field and I'm working on number four. I also, before the pandemic anyway, worked as a professional actor part-time and I do a little bit of visual arts. I have a little band with my pal. Um, And then TikTok has been the big (laughs) thing recently.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. And that is actually how I ran into you. You were on my For You page. Okay. Listeners, let's just talk about this. I have denounced TikTok. I understand that, but I do have a really cute dog, which is why I started TikToking again. And also I feel more comfortable with it because it's now owned by an American company. Therefore, I apologize. I'm going to retract my statements. <laughs> yes. I'm on TikTok again. I apologize to my listeners. So I'm just going to eat my words. Anyway, I, you were in my For You page and cool. um, because you post a lot of content about um, ADHD uh, which I am a recent, like I was the last person to find out that I had it. Um, and everyone, I was just going through life and people just thought that that I knew and I did not. Um, so your content kind of spoke to me in the sense of, I, I have no idea how you came on my FY page, but it's fine. I uh, followed you on Instagram and then I sent you a message and here we are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it's, it's really funny. So many people are commenting on my videos that they're in a similar situation (laughs) as you. It's like, I had no idea, but I relate to like every single one of these videos. So now I'm going to talk to my doctor about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was a, it was a weird um, thing. I mean, so when I got laid off at the start of the pandemic and then I was like, I'm going to start this podcast. I started to realize that I would put off the most simple task until like (laughs) Sunday night at like 11 59 PM and I'd be like crippled. My husband would come home from work and I'd just be like sitting at the table in tears. And he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I have a to-do list, but I just got stuck in this like Reddit hole and I don't know what I'm oh. doing. And he's like, oh my gosh. Okay. Like Bianca, I'm going to print this out and you're going to take this test. And so I, you know, I'm like, okay. And, and I'm sure enough, like I was off the charts on that. And And so I do have a really awesome doctor um, who equally was like, yeah, um, you didn't know this. like, no. So here we are. But I, I feel like it, it's been a really great year for a lot of people to kind of have the time to take, uh, take the time for their mental health or figure out what's going on with them. Cause you know, we, we yeah. have nothing but time. So, <laughs> yeah. so I'm grateful for that diagnosis in the sense of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of time for self-exploration these past couple months. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we'll just hop into the first question, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? Oh,
1: no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. No way. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> I, every time I feel like i I think I made a video on this, but like every time I, I start to feel like I'm figuring things out, then I, then I completely lose it. And I, I don't know what I'm doing at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, like, have, having been a grad student, I participated in like a lot of workshops on imposter syndrome uh, because it's really common in, in graduate studies. Um, but none of them helped. I still don't know, don't know what I'm doing at all. It's nice to know that other people feel like they don't know what they're doing, but like I don't it doesn't really help that feeling go away
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely uh I I agree with you there um you know I feel like I always kind of am edging towards what I'm meant to be doing but Mm -hmm. this year definitely kind of there's so many unknowns in the future that I'm like I have no idea honestly and maybe that's okay I don't know
1: (laughs) yeah and I feel like every time I edge towards that feeling of like figuring it out it just opens more doors to like oh there are all these other things I haven't figured out yet either
0: (laughs) yep yeah, no, I can totally, totally relate to that. So you've taken uh, seminars on imposter syndrome, which it's, I think like that might be an interesting topic because I know that a lot of my friends that have been in grad school have like mentioned that as well. Where, like they were like in a seminar about it or mm-hmm. they found out what it was and they were like working on their thesis and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, um, but do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome and in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you?
1: Um. Yeah, I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome, like in so many ways. One of them was in grad school, like, uh, like we were just talking about. Um, and I think that that's so common because when you get to grad school, you're surrounded by other people who know a lot about stuff and you compare yourself to them. And uh, when you're comparing yourself to other people who are like super highly educated, it's, it's really easy to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I don't, I'm, don't have it together like these other people um but the secret is is they all feel like that <laughs> and right. you're comparing yourself to other people who are like the top in their field as well so that just makes you feel like more of an imposter syndrome and like that could apply to like things like tiktok too like i think all of us creators kind of look at all these other creators and we're like wow you're doing amazing stuff you have it all together and i don't but i think i think everyone everyone really feels that way
0: yeah absolutely to to, to touch on the tiktok thing it's kind of similar to podcasting for me so i had a guest um this is not a dig on this guest at all but she was talking about how like she had all these streams and downloads and all of that and in that second one interviewing her i'm like oh shit (laughs) that's a lot of streams um And I don't have that. (laughs) So we, 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 we compare ourselves to others. Like we're looking at like the like count on something or like the virality Mm -hmm. of something. And it's, and I agree with the TikTok thing. Like I have a TikTok for my dog and the people that like my dog on TikTok are six-year-old children. And (laughs) if I post something that I think is like really clever and I spent a really long time on it, Mm -hmm. I've noticed that it gets no views (laughs) and no likes. And I'm like, And I'm like, but my dog is cute. Like what, what, what do man? So, um, so I don't really get the algorithm um, at all. And when I originally had TikTok, I actually got off of TikTok for a lot of reasons, but I got in a fight with a child about Chick-fil-A and I was like, I need to, (laughs) I need to be off of here. Um, This is not healthy for me, but you know, I, I like it. I think that I think that their campaign and their marketing push on it is is pretty interesting right now. Talking about how it's educational and people are learning things, and it's short form content, which is cool, um, especially
1: for ADHD people. <laughs> right,
0: right. And but. but then I find myself scrolling for hours on end. Oh, yeah. so- or i save i save so many sounds and then i'm like yeah. i'm gonna make a video with this sound and then i forget oh about God. it anyway
1: someone, I, yeah i posted a screenshot of of my account onto my instagram today just like celebrating because i just hit 50k that's yay! so cool um yeah and then someone like called me out on how many drafts i have saved they're like oh i can't wait to see all those and i was like <laughs> no one's not gonna them. see any of them they're <laughs> all just like saved sounds and like my face like at a weird angle being like use this sound later stuff yeah like yeah but
0: but the the, t- the the concept of comparing ourselves to others like it's always like a highlight reel like we're looking at everyone's highlight reel like it's all yeah. polished it's pristine and I mean what what I think a lot of push has come towards is this just feeling of authenticity and like wanting authenticity I've noticed that and this year has been very huge for me that I'm like okay like I don't need to see this polished yeah. thing like just be real and be you yeah
1: Um, and I think that like what you were saying earlier about how oh I put all this work in and then the video flops but then I like try not at all and the video goes viral and I think that that's like showing that people want genuine moments they don't want all of this polish and stuff that we're seeing every day yeah yeah
0: yeah and um yeah, I mean like the comparing yourself to others thing like and the grad school thing is is a huge point too like where everyone's smart but they're all smart in different ways and mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of like bar trivia. So <laughs> I used to it used to be really annoying to me if like I love I love trivia, but everyone has this set of knowledge that is like so unique to them mm-hmm. that like you can't be bad at trivia because everyone has yeah things that they know that like might be asked, right? And so I kind of think about it like that, where like everyone has this random bank of knowledge, <laughs> some about stuff that doesn't matter, like my endless supply of RuPaul's Drag Race knowledge, or, uh, you know, my <laughs> Disneyland facts, <laughs> the stuff that doesn't really matter in the long in the long tail things, but you know, things like we all have knowledge and on topics and stuff. And so it's interesting to just see kind of how competitive that grad
1: space is. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love bar trivia so much. Me too. And that, that kind of like ties me into like one of the other things I wrote about in this, this, this preparing for the interview kind of thing, Mm -hmm. um, interview podcast, whatever um, was uh, like how I think ADHD can really contribute to that feeling of imposter syndrome because Mm -hmm. we have a lot of knowledge, but then sometimes it's hard to access it. Like I'll, I'll know that I know something I remember I learned about it but I can't remember the exact fact and I can't really seem to find like the words to express it or something like that and I even wrote down wrote down somewhere in this thing. I can't really read while I talk but like that like I can write so much better than I can talk because my brain's going too fast for me to get the words out in the way that I want it to. And that just yeah. makes me feel like even more of an imposter because I'm like, well, I don't know, I have really good marks in school and, and, and stuff, but I can't seem to communicate like an intelligent person.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I found that throughout my life as well, where I feel like I'm looking for, and I apologize if you hear a squeaky sound, my dog has this macaron in his mouth and he just picked it up <laughs> like he knew, Cordain. Usually I p- grab out the squeaky toys. That was a, that was a, that was a rookie mistake on my part. Um, <laughs> so, but when I'm like, when I'm talking or I'm, I'm articulating something, um, something that I've had to work on is just not knowing the answer to something. Mm-hmm. So if like, when I used to consult, cause I, I have a marketing background. So when I used to consult and I would get really deer in the headlights, if someone asked me a question that I didn't know the answer to, because I thought I would need to answer it. So I would just like blurt out whatever came to my head first. And then I would just sit there and think about it on like a spiral of anxiety for like a week where I'm like, was that the right answer? Where if I could have just been like, Hey, I don't know the answer right now. Let me, let me double check. What's your email. Let me get back to you. Like I would have saved myself so much heartache and stuff, but I also feel like you're right. ADHD, it kind of lends itself to like uh, like, oh, I haven't said anything in a minute. Do I say something? And then you just blurt out like wh- whatever, <laughs> yeah. hoping that it sounds intelligent.
1: Yeah. That's something that I really had to work on a lot. Uh, I worked as a teaching assistant for like many years throughout my graduate studies and yeah, like being confident enough to be like, I don't know, but like, let's figure it out together. Let's Google it together instead of just like bullshitting your way through an answer.
0: Yeah. It took me, it took me a while to fi- to figure that one out. And mm-hmm. I think like, that's just kind of part of like, your career and learning as you go and and realizing that like another thing with imposter syndrome is like when the worst case scenario happens like you're not going to die you're gonna be fine yeah, yeah. but 99% of the time the worst case scenario is in your head and it's not really what's going to happen so mm-hmm. I try to always walk myself through that worst case scenario <laughs> like oh I I you know like I lost my job but you know like that was my worst fear was like losing my job which is actually why the this podcast came to be because when it mm-hmm. happened I was like all right, well, I'm still alive, so that's yeah, cool. Um, but, but you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm gonna mute myself real fast. Hold on, Hold
1: on Just if my brain was more on today. I'd say something really funny right now.
0: <laughs> well, I I have the window open, and he decided that. He wants to start barking i i don't know so now you're in my lap you're stuck here sorry all right (laughs) so i think we've touched on imposter syndrome and kind of and kind of in ways it's like manifested in 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 your life of course um uh, i like to always talk about success and i like the definition of success because i think everyone has a different definition of what it means to them um, so do, what does success look like to you? And currently, do you feel successful?
1: Uh, yeah, so my definition of what success is has like changed a lot within the last few years. Um, in some ways, I feel really successful. And in some ways, I feel not successful at all. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up pretty poor. And, I, and as a kid, I made my, this promise to myself that I would figure out how to get like a high paying job so I could lift myself and my mom out of debt and so that my children wouldn't have to live live without. So I put like a lot of weight into like money as a marker of success. Um, But like in the last few years, my view has really shifted on this. Um, And I started to put a lot more weight into experiences as markers of success, like trying new things and gaining insight from those experiences Um, and like learning from failure. So yeah, I think that that's kind of what success is about is like taking your mistakes as an opportunity to grow, um, and like always, making efforts to better yourself, um, and yeah, in that way, I think that in the pa- past few years, I've felt really successful just because I've I've done things, I, I've been doing things, and that helps make me feel like I have a purpose and that I'm I'm successful. You know, I'm I'm going out and being in plays like I always wanted to when I was a kid. Like I'm acting and and I'm making connections through TikTok of all things to do. Like um, yeah, and and those just thing doing things helps me feel successful
0: yeah I I love that I think I think everyone measures it differently but for me when I was starting out in my career I thought you know oh yeah like it has to be money it has to be monetary I don't ever want to have to like ask my parents for help or whatever you know Mm -hmm. I I didn't want to I wanted to just be at a place where I could just be like just be and not worry. And when I had that monetary marker as like my idea of success, I realized that it kind of didn't lead, lend into people valuing me because I didn't value mm-hmm. myself, you know, like I would sit at positions with certain monetary values and stuff. And when I started to kind of realize that similar to you experiences and, you know, the, the the things that make life kind of worth living, like those are, those are extreme markers of success. Like Mm -hmm. being able to have that time, you know, with your partner or whatever you're doing, like those to me, I feel far more successful this year when on paper, like I don't have a job right now. I don't, I, and I'm, and I volunteer and I do this podcast and whatever, but I, I feel like for me, it's like, I've kind of taken this year to explore <clears throat> what I want to do. Like what, what drives my soul? Yeah. Do I want to do this anymore? Do I want to <clears throat> go into a completely different path? And, and that's been really helpful for me. Um, so I feel successful right now, like in my marriage, I feel successful, yeah. um, in, in what I'm doing and making a difference volunteering. Like that's really not awesome to be able to help, um, families of active duty members, um, every week. That's, it feels really good. Yeah, but, but but I also like you know if I went back to my twenties, like I'm sure twenty year old or twenty one year old me would be like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Maybe,
1: maybe not though. I mean, yeah. like maybe maybe you'd look at yourself and be like, "Wow, look at all the things you're doing!" Right. Yeah. I, I hope that I would I would think of myself though. Like in my early twenties, I was I was kind of a, a lame grumpy person.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like your twenties are like just. Just it's just constantly like garbage. You just kind of <laughs> you're just kind of garbage. And then one day you wake up and you're and you're not, and then then you turn 30. I'm almost there. <laughs> yeah, I'm 31. And I I was funny because I had someone tell me when I was in my 20s, they're like, oh, like when you get to your 30s, like I trust me, like you're gonna like understand things and it's gonna make sense and stuff. And in my 30s, I definitely feel a lot more grace towards myself and forgiveness, where I'm like okay, like you've, you've lived enough time to not do these things anymore, but like, we don't have to be embarrassed that we did them in our twenties. It's okay. And also, you know, kind of forgiveness for certain things that I would have felt imposter syndrome about, like a good example would be, um, children. So I've always, I used to always shy away from that conversation, but like behind closed doors would be like vehemently, like, I never want children. I don't, I don't, you know, and then I I would go to these spousal events as a Navy spouse. And, and I say how I felt about children sometimes. And I, I, I would kind of shy away from telling people my thoughts and kind of not necessarily go along with their toasting to like, Oh, like, hopefully we're all Mm -hmm. pregnant soon together. Um, (laughs) but it, it just made me feel kind of like cast out. And and then now I don't really care. I'm like, like, whatever, like you want kids. I don't want kids. You think I need to have them to like be happy. I don't believe that I need to. So, um, you know, potato, potato, it's fine. When in my twenties, I, I felt so much more pressure. Like mm-hmm. if, if a person I was dating was interested in having children, then I would try and wrap my brain around if I could think about that. So I think in my thirties, like I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin to kind of have my own opinions and keep them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely relate to that. I feel like every year I'm alive, I'm starting to become more confident and comfortable with who I am and less worried about trying to impress everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's,
0: uh, I think that's beautiful. And I also feel like I wish more people could learn that lesson sooner, but I also believe that we're like life kind of has, you think you have it all figured out and that, you know, what you're doing and you're Mm -hmm. very not egotistical necessarily, but you're very confident or you, you project confidence, but you're not confident. And then you do things to kind of appease whatever societal norm is saying. And, and for me, I'm just glad that like, I figured out that it's okay to just like be myself. Like that's, yeah. I, i I've, I've, and also it, another thing I've learned this year, especially is that knowing your value and knowing your worth and asking for those, and then
1: mm-hmm. walking
0: away when they don't give them Give you those things. My example would be: ever since I've been laid off, every opportunity employment-wise has been underemployment. Mm. And for me, that is not going to work. I've Mm. done it before in my past because of my desire to want to work and my desire to want to hustle and continue my portfolio. But I've done that enough times where I know that the end result is: it's just going to be a circle and you're going to end back up where you were. And so there's no, there's no ladder. Um, so that's kind of been a, like a life lesson I've been learning this year as well, is that like, it's okay to just like know your value. And if others can't accept that, then that's, that's on them.
1: Yeah. And to set boundaries and stuff. I think I've been getting a lot better at that too. Cause I used to, you know, like, like you said, like kind of say yes to everything. Cause you're afraid mm-hmm. to miss out on any sort of opportunity. But now I know that like I, I have a delayed sleep cycle and I'm not gonna function at eight in the morning. So I'm I've stopped booking things at eight in the morning. I just I just tell people I can't. Um and and they don't make as much of a fuss if I as I imagined they would. Right,
0: right. <laughs> yeah. That's and that's the thing. It's like when you stand up for yourself, people are pretty good. The people that you put the boundaries in place for, they will react the harshest to them. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, anyone that's like a understanding person will will understand it. Mm-hmm. I had something like, so I, I started this podcast in March and I was interviewing like crazy and, um, it was getting up towards my, my husband deploying and I had all of the, and, it, and my podcast was like ramping up. Like I had so many requests for interviews and I couldn't keep them straight anymore. And I am trying to deal with this thing that a lot of people don't really understand where, you know, I'm, I'm feeling all these emotions and I'm also in therapy and I'm talking to my therapist and I'm like, this thing I love doing, like, it feels like a chore now. And I feel Mm -hmm. overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. And she was like, well, what if you just like reached out to everyone that you're going to interview and just told them like, Hey, I'm going through some stuff right now. And I will get back to you when I'm able to like hold space for you. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. Go you. And honestly, the response was completely favorable everyone that was going to interview is now scheduled. Um, you're the first interview after this hiatus, actually.
1: Wow, ah, um, I'm honored.
0: <laughs> right, and so, and, and it's like, everyone was so understanding. Like one of them is a vet, he's a, he's a veteran and he was like, oh my gosh, yes, like I get it. Like, it's a lot, like you are okay. It's okay to like ask for that time. And I only felt comfortable doing it because I'd been interviewing for so long that I was like, okay, well, this is kind of on autopilot. I can like take a month to like, get in my routine because I'm going to be alone for a while. <laughs> and then I came back to it with like a fresh fresh set of eyes, but you're right. Like you can't just say yes to everything. You have to like learn that you, that like you, you what your limits are. And my limits yeah. were, I wasn't setting enough boundaries. I was sending people a calendly link and I didn't have days crossed off or times crossed off. So suddenly I was at the mercy of my interview.
1: Oh geez.
0: And I, so I learned a lot of valuable lessons about like I just have this space and this time and if you cannot be within the space and this time then we'll figure something out but this is what I can
1: allow you. Yeah. I thought, man that's so great that you did that. I'm happy for you. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. It it feels it feels better although I've I've had a little hic- a few hiccups cuz my one beef with Calendly is if you don't mark the day as unavailable and mm-hmm. you don't put it as as unavailable on your own Google calendar then people will schedule things. So like I have a thing I'm doing next Monday, but someone scheduled a podcast interview. And I was like, Hey, this is embarrassing, <laughs> but I have to move your interview to the following Monday. And then I looked at my calendar again. And I was like, Oh shoot. I have a hair appointment. Oh my God. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm still going to make it work, but you know, it's, it's just kind of, you know, I'm learning as I go as well, but it's just,
1: and it's really nice. Like how, how kind most people are. Cause, yeah. I, Cause I think in my brain, I have this assumption and it might've been, you know, because of bullying when I was a kid or whatever, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I have this assumption that everyone's gonna be mean and that I should prepare for like the worst. When right. all like over overwhelmingly, the majority of people are, are really understanding, especially if they're if they, like are people that wanna work with you on a podcast yes, or something yes. like that or people who are listening to your content. Like I posted a TikTok a couple of weeks ago that was like me in bed being like, hey guys, like I, I don't really have any content today cause I'm having a really bad mental health day. And you know what, it did fairly well because people were like, we wanna see this. I like yeah. seeing that you are not perfect because it makes me feel okay to not be perfect.
0: That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that like, those are things that I will say, I will always advocate for the following therapy is important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your mental health is important. Boundaries are important. Um, so yeah. for me, like I'm in, I'm in therapy. I I go to my therapist every week. It took me forever to pull that trigger because ADHD <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we clicked and it's amazing, but she's been helping me explore a lot of things. So like, as you mentioned, like as a kid getting bullied, I never had friends, never really fit in, just total nerd. Um, so I had a lot of, um, you know, fear of expressing myself, of course. And then at, my, at home, which I don't really talk about my family very often, but I had a family that wouldn't allow me to express my emotions So if I was sad, they would negate it. If I was depressed, they would negate it. You know, I wasn't allowed to feel those feelings. And so when you have that, you become a very empathetic person. And, uh, that can be so exhausting and especially within this pandemic. So just like I had to be like, Hey, I don't have the space for this podcast. I also had to say, Hey, I don't have to my friends. I don't have the space to fix you right now. Like I, you're coming to me with a lot and my plate is full. And then my my therapist is like, well, why don't you let anyone in? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like vulnerability is so hard for me. Like it, it's so hard. And she was like, well, what, what would it feel like if you did? And I was like, terrifying, like absolutely terrifying. I cannot do it. Like, I will not. So she's been encouraging me to like, try it. I've done it a few times. It feels uncomfortable as hell. Mm. I don't like it, but I also feel better when I do it. So it's, yep. it's, 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 it's it's a, it's a rocky road, but yes, therapy is very important in like learning that. And, and it's, and it's hard, it's hard to just say like, I need this for me. And then like, I think also as women, yeah, um, sometimes we'll be like, oh, but like, it's okay. If it's just like a downgraded version of like what I can actually deal with, even though I, I put a hard no up.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely have been socialized to not advocate for our own needs Right. Sweep them under under the rug and, and deal with everyone else first. Yes. Yes.
0: And, and I, and I, as much as I love my friends, some of them, you know, I'm like, I don't want to see you complain about the fact that like you and your spouse are bored in your house right now. Like, (laughs) fuck off. Like, like I, I don't get Christmas, my anniversary. I don't get holidays. I don't get my, my wedding anniversary. I don't get any of these for the next thing. I don't even know when he's coming home. Like, and, and we've all had a pandemic on top of it. Like I get everyone's going through it, but like, I just, I don't have space for that. Like, can yeah. we not like, don't, <laughs> don't complain to me. <laughs> um, anyway, I really feel like we've touched on the, the topic of imposter syndrome. Um, but before we hop into my favorite portion of the podcast, which is of course, seeing how my guest brain works with things that were fanatical and unpopular opinions. Do you have any advice for battling imposter syndrome?
1: Oh my gosh. I mean, therapy, <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about it a bunch, but like, I can't, I can't express enough how, like, how helpful it is in all aspects of your life when you find a therapist that works for you too, because yes. it can be hard to find one that matches with you well, but like, yeah, therapy and just like being honest about your imposter syndrome, I think really helps because then you, you, you when you talk about it, you realize how many other people are experiencing the same thing and it makes you feel less alone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Great advice. And, and I love it. Okay. All right. This is just my favorite portion of the podcast. And I see that I see a wall of text. Oh my God. Which just yeah. It makes me excited. Okay. So what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? I'm just going to say that my friend sent me a Star Wars Mandalorian baby Yoda chia pet that came just out of the blue and I'm I've I've said it before on my podcast I'll say it again I'm obsessed with that little green bean baby (laughs) Yoda and I I fully plan to take my baby Yoda doll with me to downtown Disney on Monday so whatever fight me about it (laughs) <laughs> anyway, what about you? <laughs>
1: um yeah, okay, so I've had like a lot of things that i am fanatical about over my life. Obviously, like psychology and neuroscience is one of them because I've studied it for like 9 years in school now. Um I also used to be obsessed with the band Gorillas back as a yeah. child. Love that. Um but yeah, I wrote this wall of text about Fight Club cuz by far Fight Club has been my most like <laughs> obsessed obsession that I've had throughout my whole life and it's the one that stayed with me the longest. Um, I even I have a tattoo. <laughs> I have a Fight Club tattoo. It's actually uh, in the author Chuck Chuck Palenics. I don't I never never know whether I'm pronouncing that right, but yeah, Chuck Polinik's writing. Um, it just says Paper Street Soco. It's on my foot. Um, I got that when I was I got that when I was 18, and I but I started being obsessed with Fight Club when I was 14. So I waited like four years of having the obsession before I got a tattoo about it, which is like really impressive considering I have ADHD. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I do impulsive things a lot, but yeah, I waited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, super obsessed. Uh, I easily like have watched it over 200 times. There was a point in my life where I put on uh, Fight Club before bed to fall asleep, which is a really weird movie to fall asleep to, I know. Um, but yeah, I just loved it so much. I think that... Um, I think that like what sparked the obsession was when i first saw it i was 14 and i was like suffering from undiagnosed mental health issues and Mm -hmm. i was a moody teenager at the same Mm -hmm. time so both of those things together made me really like this kind of like dark nihilistic movie um I, like, I even made a flash quiz about Fight Club in high school com tech class, and I'm pretty sure you can still find that on DeviantArt somewhere. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, like, asking a bunch of silly trivia questions about Fight Club. Um, but, yeah, I really loved David Fincher's style and Brad Pitt and Helena Bonham Carter. And, yes. um I yeah I clung I like clung to the dark themes of hitting rock bottom and it was the first time that I had been exposed to this theme of like consumerism and how things can't make you happy and it gave me hope that like all the popular rich kids in my school were secretly as miserable as I was and like it glorified and romanticized all the anger and the hurt I had inside of me and like, I also loved all the little science bits thrown in like the chemical burn scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause even back then I was a total science nerd. Uh, and I just loved learning about like how soap was made and like lie and stuff like that, how that works. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a better place now. And like, I don't relate to it on such a deep emotional level as I did when I was an angsty teenager but it still really holds like a special place in my heart because it was with me for so many of those like formative years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, uh, I lost my, I was trying to follow along in my paragraph that I read, but now I've totally lost my spot. But anyway, I just really, I just really like, I just really like Fight Club. I like it a lot. And I know that a, mo- like the the general fan club of Fight Club are like not people like me. They're usually like just dudes who like to watch other dudes fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's not at all what I got out of it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. my favorite. Favorite favorite movie ever. (laughs) I like the book too. I also think it's the best book to movie trans translation that I've ever seen. Uh, Because usually like the movie is really shitty and the book is better. (laughs) But I really, really liked the, the way that they did this into a movie.
0: Yeah. I, I, I love that. I can relate in a lot of ways to many of the things that you said. First and foremost, the fact that you waited to get a tattoo. I, <laughs> my parents, my parents told me like they would disown me. I would blah, blah, blah. Like just never, ever get a tattoo. So I got a tattoo. It took me maybe two years after I decided what I wanted to get it, got it. Um, then I spent a, a, the next two years re- removing it because my parents told me to, and I said, okay, I was 25, and they were helping me, because um, a millennial, I don't know, (laughs) and uh, and then I met my husband, and I got it re-inked, and then I got it fixed to actually, like, fix it all up, but when you talk about impulsive things and impulsivity, pre-diagnosis, Bianca got four tattoos at once after she found out that she was getting laid off, (laughs) Amazing. I got a Mickey semicolon, a infinity symbol with a Winnie the Pooh bumblebee. I got an anchor on my elbow and I got a dog, a dog paw print on my, on my arm. And arguably I live in San Diego. San Diego is purple tier right now, which means that everything is shutting again because dumbasses. Mm -hmm. So I have no opportunity to go get anything else tattoo wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and my first podcast guest ever is my tattoo artist and she's a lovely, lovely person. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he was able to get his sleeve worked on, but um, I, I haven't been back in because I have a million ideas and I'm telling myself, we will not book an appointment until we formulate what we want because we're not <laughs> going to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was
1: like, afterwards, I was like, I didn't think this through yeah I, I, they're all I tiny have, but yeah I have some uh don't get me wrong I have impulsive tattoos as well yeah. <laughs> I think I have like eight now I don't know I li- yeah, I have I have I've also gotten like cover-ups and stuff too but um yeah definitely have also gotten impulsive tattoos and when people ask me about that they're like aren't you afraid you're gonna regret it I think it's really beautiful because like there are tattoos in my body that I now would not get uh, if I was like choosing now whether to get it or not um but I still love them because they marked a point in my life it's almost like a diary on my body and I can like remember what mindset I was in when I got each tattoo like my very first tattoo is this star that I have on my like collarbone area and I got it when I was 16 years old my mom took me she went with me she's a cool (laughs) she's a cool mom Um, wine coolers (laughs) Um, and like (laughs) um, and yeah, and like, now I look at it, and I'm like, you know, it's like a, just a cheesy little star. And I probably wouldn't get that now. But I was like, I remember the exact mindset that I was in. And I remember how much I loved it. And how I felt like the coolest kid in school, because I was the first one to get a tattoo. And like, yeah, it's like a fond memory. And and I don't really care about the aesthetic of my body so much as like the story that it's telling through this art.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I And I, similarly, like, I, I look at I mean, I look at one, like four of them and I'm like, oh, I got those all at once, I forgot about them. Uh, but, but it's funny when you get to a point too where you forget about them.
1: Yeah. So
0: like in the last, so I moved here in April of last year. In mid-May, I got this huge bicep piece and my other tattoo fixed. And that was like a big piece of real estate and it hurt so bad. And I was like, I don't want the rest of this tattoo. Like, absolutely not. And my, my artist was like, Bianca, I have to shade the mountains. And I'm like, no, (laughs) she's like, I have to shade. It's going to look like shit. It's going to look like Godzilla. Like I have to shade the mountains. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I got it. And I remember feeling so ashamed because I was like worried about like what my parents think. And now I have eight or seven or eight of them. And I'm like, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like not hurting anyone. I don't want to work for a company that doesn't want me to work for them because I have visible tattoos. And also like- it's, it's pretty normalized in San Diego. Like everyone has them. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like they do tell a kind of a, a time and a place and a story yeah. and, um, and yeah. Uh, but to go back to fight club, yes. similar to you, there was something in my teens that I, I, I related to a lot. I think maybe this is normal. I don't know. I listened to bright eyes, like yeah, crazy. Like, Oh my God. Like the 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 song about being
1: on an airplane, uh, like all the first time. First day of my life, right? Uh, like I, all I, these songs. I, did, I played that song at a school talent show in high school. Like at the same time that I was obsessed with Fight Club. So like that's yeah. funny that you mentioned that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was I was a weird kid. I really wanted to be like one of those MySpace like cool seamster emo kids. Yeah. I right. always wanted my hair hair to look like that mullety look. It never looked like that because I had a crappy straightener, and yeah. I. I, I just wanted to, I wanted to be so many things I'm not, which is probably why I have a podcast about imposter syndrome,
1: but. Oh my God. We're really just living yeah. the same life here. Just like just living it. Just <laughs> you should Just pictures it. of me. I have hair that's like really trying really hard to be that mullet style that you're talking about. Oh my like God. I thought it was so yeah.
0: cool. <laughs> I looked like I had a dang helmet because I have really thick hair and um, Colorado has a really dry, where I'm from, Colorado has a really dry climate, but. I had so much hair that I didn't know you could, could get it thinned out, and uh, so I would I just always looked like a hot mess, twenty four <laughs> seven, just messy, just from the ages of thirteen on, just terrible. But
1: yeah, anyway, was-
0: so <laughs> unpopular opinions. Um, I always use the example of cantaloupe is trash, and of course, oh, unpopular opinions. Wrong, okay. So it's okay, it just tastes it tastes like a weak person's Deliciousness. Me. It's okay. <laughs> Um, but as long as they don't hurt others, I'm okay with anyone's a popular opinion. So what are
1: yours? Um, well, ketchup belongs on mac and cheese and grilled cheese. It's that's the only way to eat mac and cheese is with ketchup on it.
0: I can see where you're going with that because, uh,
1: grilled cheese and
0: tomato soup. I see where you're going. Yeah. yeah it's like, going.
1: it's, it's like a better version. Well, I mean, tomato soup is good too, but like the ketchup is just, the tanginess plus the sweetness. It's just, it's, it's supreme. It's great.
0: I will not fight you on that um, because I am from, uh, so I was born in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So Minnesotans have a lot of really weird food things. Like oh, not only are that. they the pickiest eaters on the planet, everything has mayonnaise in it. They do put ketchup <laughs> on macar- macaroni and cheese. So I grew up kind of with that mentality of like that being okay so that's normal to me haven't yeah. tried the ketchup on grilled cheese but I will try it for science it's
1: so good and you know what like I'm Canadian right and we're yeah. like so Minnesota's close to Canada so like we probably have the same food tastes yeah. there you know <laughs> but, I'm, but yeah. your cantaloupe opinion worries me though because cantaloupe's my favorite melon ah uh, well it's okay so good yeah well my mom
0: my mom would buy it all the time as a kid all the time. Like it didn't even matter if it was in season, she'd buy it. She'd buy that and she'd buy honeydew. Hate both. Honeydew's trash. Honeydew okay, is trash. Yes. We well, can it, agree on that. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like the plus one that comes to the party of the fruit salad. Like, yeah. no, thank you. We don't want you. Um, yeah. but my mom would put like lime and salt on it and so like it what? already made like the flavor oh. worse for me. Oh. Yeah, I was just salt? like, yeah, yeah. Why? I don't I don't know. You can ask oh, Sandy. No. She she was Oh jeez. I have no idea. And so I grew up like she'd put it on every plate and then I'd have to like eat it and I didn't like it and I just like force it down. So whenever I get a, so like whenever I'm like, oh, it's a fruit cup option. I'm like, is there like cottage cheese or like hash browns or something? Like (laughs) (laughs) give me anything that's not cantaloupe. Cause I know it's always going to be fully like 99% of that salad. Um, maybe one piece of pineapple.
1: <laughs> the thing about like cantaloupe though, is it, you really have to get like the juicy parts from the inside. Cause like the hard parts are on the outside are trash. That's I why. will agree with you on that. I bet you, she just couldn't
0: figure out how to like, I mean, I, I love my mom, but probably couldn't figure out how to like cut it correctly. <laughs> then again, like I, I this is a f- just, you know, I've said this before, so I can say it again, but my mom's favorite spice is parsley. So... <laughs> um oh geez so there wasn't a lot of flavor to be had so it wouldn't surprise (laughs) me if she was like cutting from the rind (laughs) which would make sense yeah it makes total sense (laughs)
1: yeah
0: all right Um, I respect your opinion (laughs) (laughs) awesome okay (laughs) and I just haven't I haven't gone back to be like do we like this although I mean melon flavored things I can deal with that's the weird thing I can deal with like melon basil or like mm. a, a prosciutto and melon thing. I can do that. Cause I'm like, it tastes normal to me, but no, <laughs> just mm-hmm. not going to just eat it plain on its own. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So in this world, there's not a lot to look forward to. It can feel kind of abysmal and dim, but what's currently making you happy in the world?
1: Uh, it's really lame to say, but TikTok. <laughs> Yay! Uh, it's just, we've, we've, I found this like neurodivergent community of like people with ADHD and autism and and different mental health stuff on TikTok and everyone's just so nice and supporting each other and lifting each other up and it's just it's so it's so nice to find other people who have similar experiences that I can relate to and just not feel alone. It's just great. The community is amazing and and it's I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, I um, I I was like I said, nay say about TikTok for just a little bit, but I am back on it, and I do see. That there are some really cool things that have happened um it's i think it's a valuable medium but what i like about what you've created is that you normalize like you talk about the science aspect of like if you take this medication this is what happens and this is why it's helpful or you know everyone's brain's different or you you kind of you you explain things in a way that i think like normalizes it which is really helpful for people who might be struggling with their own diagnosis or really trying to understand their own brain and you mentioned uh in your in your uh in your blurb that you also like the ADHD memes and the funny thing yeah. is I have so my husband has ADHD my really good friends a lot of them have it and I would just be cut, caught in the crosshairs of like my friends sending memes about ADHD and me reading them being like oh, I think I have it <laughs> yeah you know? so so I, I think it's uh, I think it's good because I also feel like we're we're normalizing things a lot more um yeah And I I have friends that have advocated for needing accommodations for ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend uh, most recently, actually, they couldn't accommodate her and she ended up losing her job. And that was oh, no. very, very unfortunate. Um, so I think like in normalizing, like if you do need those accommodations, especially in like working from home, yeah. like that for me, I realized just like, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I'm squirrel everywhere. So uh, I, I I just kind of like the the messages that you're spreading and then the community that you're creating. So I really appreciate it
1: oh thanks man (laughs) (laughs) well this has been an
0: awesome conversation but I always love to give my guests the floor to promote whatever they would like so Carly would you like to promote anything
1: yeah, just, just, I guess my, my TikTok, I have a Linktree link, tree link mm-hmm. on there that has links to like resources and information. If you're curious about ADHD or want to look into like how you start the diagnostic process and stuff like that, that's all there. Um, also like all my little side projects and stuff like my band and stuff is all linked in there too. So just, I guess, check out that Linktree and see if there's anything you like.
0: Yeah, awesome. And to my listeners, as always, I will always include all of the links to the guests that you can get in touch. Um, Check out all of her stuff. It really is awesome. I'm not just tooting her own horn. I am really meaning that. And um, so let's just leave our, can you leave my listeners with some parting notes? Any last ditch effort advice?
1: Oh geez, Uh, I mean, I guess just like just talk to people. Talking is so important. Talk to your friends. Tell them how you're feeling. That communication is everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right, listeners, this is of course has been. Please don't kick me out. Thank you again, Carly, for being on the podcast again. She is ADHD adult. Uh, I will share all those links. And to Carly, I hope that you have a wonderful day and I'm so grateful for this conversation.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having <laughs> all right, me.
0: Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. Of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order.